Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Hello everyone, it's Electronically Yours. This is Martin Ware. Hope you're having a good week. Things are starting to brighten up a little, I feel. The weather's improving a little bit. Um, today's guest is the, um, what's the word, garrulous Rusty Egan um, from Visage, uh, Rich Kids, uh, he's a producer, he's a drummer, but most of all, he talks a lot, a lot. In fact, he's like the Duracell bunny, he never stops talking, and uh, which is funny, and it's funny, he really is, he's a lovely guy, um, and I think he's actually kind of, uh, and as I told him at the end of the interview, I think he's underrated in terms of his influence on the scene in the um, early 80s. Obviously, he was the DJ at Blitz, uh, amongst other people. And he really did have a big influence on the way that the whole scene evolved, in, in, as well as the new romantic scene. But electronic music weaving that into... Because the, the new romantic thing could easily have turned into just rock. And he, ultimately, he did. But he he's always flown the flag for electronic music. And every time I bump into him, because we're both members of the Groucho Club in, in London, uh, every time I bump into him, he goes, yeah, Martin, Martin, yeah, being bold, fantastic, it's, you know, and all that. And um, he's, always got, he's always got fingers in lots of different pies doing stuff. And um, he's, uh, uh, he used to be a dodgy geezer, as he says in the, in, in the interview when he was very young, but I think he's a genuinely lovely guy. We get on really well. Um, so here he is, the fantastic, fantastic in the sense of hard to believe, Rusty Egan. I heard you talking on numerous occasions to... Uh, especially the Mark uh, Martin Fry one and the very first recording and the, the different versions of certain songs. And you're very, you've got a whole library of your life and you're very, it's like, it's like you had a diary, whereas mine is just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, who who played what, who did what, who, what late, I don't fucking know, you know. Well, I never yeah. really kept, kept tabs on things, but somehow... All that information seems to be yeah. available to me. I can't understand it personally because I always think my memory is not that good. Well, but um, well. but but anyway, Rusty, it's great to have you on. And, yes, thank uh, you. I was only teasing when I said I hope you're not, not getting paid by, paid by the word. <laughs> In fact, you're not getting paid at all. Exactly, which is the story <laughs> of my life. I'm used to it. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I mean, sooner or later. Final bite on this. Mm. Yeah, I'm ready. You go. Already, all right. Yeah, I mean, sooner or later, I'm going to have to um, find some means of supporting the podcast because, you know, it's not very much money it costs for me to produce. Do you it. know um, Tarquin Ghost? Who? Tarquin Ghost. No. He signed me to Warner Brothers, turned right. down everything I did and asked for the money back. <laughs> anyway, I gave it back. Um, he manages... Uh, the Gary Kemp podcast, right? And he manages the bloke it's from good, AC. That one, by the way, yeah, it's good. It's good. The, uh, what is it? Rock on Yeah, and he manages the bloke that made uh, is in ACDC. 
Oh, right, yeah. So basically, he is a producer. So all you need to do is say, here's my stats. Yeah. These are my guests. This is how many people are listening to me. Yeah. I'd like to move to another, another Yeah, that's level. why I'm looking into it currently. Yeah, so if it's you want to email th- me, I'll give you his email address. All right, cool. It's number 13 in the in the music uh, podcast charts for Apple. Well, there you the go. Apple I've been podcast. telling everyone. You know me. I share everything yeah. I like. You know. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. If it wasn't, Martin, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be here, would I? No. You know, Martin uh, said he'd like to get you on. I'm not going on that. You know, I'm still a bit <laughs> like that, to be honest. Oh, but come on. I've had some good guests on. You're in good company. No, I don't mean that. I mean, it's a, it's great. I, I was... I want to be on it. When are you going to ask me? No, 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 no. Don't beg. Please yeah. don't beg. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the point. That, that, yeah, there's yeah. a couple of things I really hope they call me, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, thank you anyway for being oh. on it. I appreciate it. Um, tell us about you growing up then. Come on. Oh, really? You do? You want that stuff? I want everything. Oh, my God. No, I'm No, no, I'm, I, listen, I'm not going to ask you anything that's too... Well, no, I'll do a quick thing. Basically, I am... Um, I... I finally succumbed because of COVID to start to write a book. And I wrote five chapters about me growing up. Yeah. But everyone said, nobody cares about it. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) wants to know. You're going to have to drop all that, Rusty. And then he went, go on Google and work out how many pages the mid-year book. And you go, 330 pages. Okay. You go, Billy Idol, 300. You go, Gary Kemp, 300, 299. You go, Rusty, you've already done like five chapters and you haven't even bloody made Visage yet. (laughs) (laughs) You can do do that all in one breath. (laughs) I could do it all in one breath. So the point was, I'm on a radio show now with uh, someone who made records that I admired, that I... um, couldn't believe how great your records were, oh, especially Penthouse and Pavement. And I, you know, uh, Let Me Go and Circus of Death and Rock and Roll, the EP into Nightclubbing, a double double one I had on Virgin, and so on and so forth. So we, we are both, um, at the same time, I knew about Vice Versa. You know, I knew all this stuff, Cabaret Voltaire, Sheffield, the lead mill, the whole thing. And, of course, I toured and played with um, Skids and Bill Nelson. And so by the time I got to Blitz Club Billy's, I knew exactly what I wanted to play, what I wanted to do. And then Fascist Groove thing was just, just amazing. Yeah, that's 40 years old on Saturday. This is the thing. All this stuff is 40 years old. Oh my god! But and literally forty years ago, so, who thought it'd be more relevant now than when we released it? So we're talking fifty odd years ago, my childhood, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So you're a bit younger than me. Just if well, I had you? a book, sixty two, right? Sixty three, yeah, yeah. If I'm I had a book and they didn't cut it all out, um, I would be saying Heaven Seventeen. In the charts, Clock Orange. Yeah. And I'd be uh, uh, a mod and I'd be a – well, I had a book called Suede Head. I had a yeah, book, I remember that. Yeah, you remember that book? Suede Head, my Swayed God. Head. And uh, they were all like uh, 
Ben Sherman, uh, Crombie overcoat, button-down collars, we stained all, press. Yeah. All the same. Yeah, all the same all thing. Uh, Slade with uh, Slade written on his yes, knuckles, yes. came from Wolverhampton. And um, <laughs> obviously uh, the boys from Hull joining David Jones. So, yeah, I was a 70s Bolan, uh, Bowie, rock yeah. music, and soul boy, Barabbas. And exactly. Went to Soul Weekenders. Wasn't a Northern Soul Boy, um, but got in a lot of trouble. Did he you? Got, got in a lot of trouble. And actually, what did you do? What kind of trouble did you get into? The Alan Parker movie Scum became a period of my life. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be an instruction manual. It's a film, you know. <laughs> yeah, that film with the uh, with the with the billiard balls in the sock. Shit, um, no. Yeah, you do. You know the film Scum. I know, know the it. film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, you didn't get to any of it. Well, it had um, it had uh, Park Life, Phil Daniels. He was in it, and uh, Sexy Beast. He was in it. Right. Yeah, when yeah. Youth. So basically, I thought I was tough. Oh I really? Thought, yeah. And and if you saw um, if you saw uh, it's on the BBC, uh, Steve McQueen's. Seventies uh, reggae program uh, with uh, silly games. It's on the BBC. I forgot what it's called, but it's by. It's, anyway, it's about reggae sound systems in Harlesden and Willesden around seventy three, seventy four, uh, and house parties, and they play silly games. You know the track, right. silly games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was one of those jobs outside. That was oh, trying, to, trying to get into the party. So where did you live in London? Arrow. Arrow? Arrow. Arrow. Oh, so you yeah. came and said you were, you were a... Well, so did Marco lover. Peroni. He lived in Arrow. I know Marco. I know Marco. Yeah. Yeah, he lived Good in man. Arrow. Yeah. And then there was a, there was a bloke called... Um, he's very... Let's get quick. There was a bloke lived down my road, and he had a job in a recording studio. His name was Mark Wallace. And Mark dated my sister, who was a bit of a singer. And um, he come round the house, and I was banging on the drums. And he goes, "Oh, I can play status quo." Do 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 I said, "So can I, mate? Anyone can play status quo." Anyway, so he said, "Well, can we have a jam?" And then he said, "Why don't you come to the studio, and I'll get you a job as a tea boy." So basically, after Borstal, sixteen. Hold on, whoa, whoa, rewind, rewind. Why were you in Borstal? Well, that was a bit. We were just talking about it. I tried. I know, but it. what did he do? Try to skip it. I was a bit of a nasty bastard. Were you? Well, yeah, did you I went. Some, did you hit someone? GBH was it or something? What? Yeah, I did that. Um, I did a bit of a, a bit of robbery, probably <gasps> a robbery. Shit. No, like you know the local, the local the golf club. You know, he broke in, done the phone, done the phone box, done the one-armed bandit. <laughs> went out, went out, bought a load of clothes with it. Went into like shops uh, with an overcoat on, and then wrapped two or three pairs of Levi's around your chest. Yeah. Bought one pair and put your coat back on. Bought a pair of Levi's and then left. And then sold the other Levi's to you, mate. It's another view of the economy, really. It's like a different kind of model. Well, 
Yeah, but you know, like in Fast Show, I'm a little bit woo, a little bit woo. Yeah, a little bit woo, a little bit woo. I was a little bit woo. You're the Cockneys that everybody warned us about in Sheffield. Yeah, but it was all a show, wasn't it? It was all a show because really, as soon as the music got me, I was a hippie. I was John Lennon. I was like, you know, mother, you had me. I found John Lennon. I found music, you know. Right. And and uh, so how I, old were you when you were in Borstal then? Ah, well, I first went away when I was eleven. First, <laughs> what? How yeah, many times let, did you go they away? Let, they let me out, but it only lasted six months. <laughs> so you were you you were at Her Majesty's <laughs> pleasure a few times then. I was um, no, the first one was a kind of cushy number, and it was a posh school, you know, and they found some right. places for a few. Dis disadvantaged kids so <laughs> i got in i got in there in a posh school so it was a bit harry potter you know uh but i was i was a you know i was a naughty naughty lad pushed in with all the posh kids what did, and, um, what, what did your um, mum and dad think about all this then my mum and dad were musicians and they were irish and all my uncles were Irish, and all my family were Irish, and right, I'm this, Irish. This, this explains quite a lot. Do you know I've yeah. got an Irish passport now? I have one as well. Yeah, yeah it's good, I, isn't I, it? I only ever had an Irish passport. Right, so, so I, I found out, thanks to the uh, uh, Ancestry.com thing, that I'm actually 38% Irish. I'm more Irish than English. 38%. Yeah, not bad. Both um, my grandmothers were Irish. Well, um, hope, hopefully my daughter and my son will get an Irish passport because I am 100% the supporter of your politics as well. Yeah, <laughs> good lad. And, uh, Come on, and man. I have told my let's, let's, let's get, let's, it should yeah. be like, v for, we, let, we should form the V for Vendetta party. You know. Well, the problem is, uh, problem is with politics, it's a bit like, again, let's go back to the fast show. I'll get my coat. There's always somebody who's a little bit cleverer and always yeah. pulls out section 23 of certain things. And you're standing there going, okay, so we have got no money. We're all poor. We're all paying the tax, but offshore banking business is okay. Yeah, yeah. And Richard Branson doesn't have to use his own 4.5 billion amassed fortune in his Virgin Islands tax haven yeah. to bail out his company that he doesn't really own. He only licensed the brand. Yeah. You know, it's public, just public risk, private profit. Yeah. It's just yeah. This one big, listen, you're too stupid to understand it type yeah, of thing. So I don't um, get into that. I just say, here's the fact. The facts are, and that's yeah, what yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know. Have you seen, have you seen the Adam Curtis series? Can't get you out of my head. No. What, You've got to watch that. Yeah. Because it's, well, all about that. Can shit. I tell you another thing? Yeah. I don't have a BBC license because I don't believe in it. Right. Uh, it's a bit weird, right? I uh, will no, pay no, Netflix. I, I looked into it, but then they yeah. started trying to blackmail me. So I just. No, I will it. pay Netflix. I will pay Now TV. And then I will go just like my internet provider. That's rubbish now. I'll just turn it off and switch to someone else. The BBC can't do that. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. you turn it on, you go, what do I want to watch? And you go, well, one program. As a matter mm. of fact, I had to phone a friend of mine to get a password to watch that program I just told you about. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, Steve McQueen. Yeah, the Steve right. Steve McQueen's yes. thing. 
the Steve yeah, McQueen yeah. series. It's really great. Well, so, yes. my view, my view on the whole uh, BBC thing is, it's been uh, commandeered by the by the the kind of faux uh, faux socialist liberal classes, uh, i.e., the centrists. Who are uh, who have commandeered the whole thing now, like and so Millman. there's no room for left wing thought anymore. Um, and um, so there you go. You know, anytime Andy you're ready, anytime you're ready, Rusty, it'd be good. Yeah. So yeah. A- Andy Millman when he's trying to make his program, he got the glasses and the wig, and uh, remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then the BBC producer. Oh, you know, oh, <laughs> this is how it works around here. You know. Yeah. All anyway, right, are, are you so ready I... to record? We are recording. No, I can't believe it. Just having a little chat. My God, this is why you did five chapters on the first five years of your life or something. (laughs) Yeah, can I do what they call as a shameless plug? Go for it, mate. All right, well, my shameless plug is that I turned my back on everything for 20-odd years, and we call it the um, when you're out in the outback. And then 2009, Jazz Summer. We went walkabout, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. went walkabout. 2009, Jazz Summers invited me to the Notting Hill Arts Club and I saw LaRue. Right. And suddenly I'm like, I love it, I love it. But I didn't yeah. know what a logic was. I didn't know what anything right. was, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was DJing with a laptop, but I didn't really know anything. So what, what I'm going to do, quick 2009, I then got to do Moby. I did a track with Moby and then I did one more and i started to basically understand oh i could probably make music again you know uh, yeah. so the bottom line was why didn't i make music because i hate the music business why do you hate the music business because i ended up homeless in 1989 1990 i've married the Did wrong you really, woman. were you really homeless yeah i got kicked out of my house and i had a baby i was destitute i went and stayed with a mate on the sofa i thought that i could move back in she started dating my manager how close can you get um and then i met um i met new order at a rave with kevin millions and uh we were all up all night long on ecstasy and basically i I was um uh i was uh, i found seal i found a damp ski but i was taking 10 ecstasy a night and i again got told yeah i was was just wasting don't do drugs yeah well it was bloody great actually (laughs) i loved it i'd lost everything so i was in that i've lost everything i'm gonna have to make this a double double uh, parental advisory on the front yeah well the point was that i'd lost everything and if you have lost everything and you are depressed and you are losing your wife and your kid and your business and full of resentment drugs is not gonna help (laughs) no it really is not gonna help and if you're high and you've got millions of dollars you soon won't have uh, you'll lose yeah. everything so either way there is never a good time to take drugs so the point really was is that i was wasted but i was running around telling people i found this guy he's called steel i've got his demo and basically i couldn't get arrested couldn't couldn't do nothing i couldn't get my act together but i've got picked up in a club on the dance floor, hands in the air, lost in my own world of poor me, pity me, with a beautiful woman. I married that beautiful woman uh, on a beach in Barbados, threw away the drugs, had babies, and was in love for 20-odd years with that beautiful woman. And I turned my back on everything. And then I started to get, um, don't, um, we, we found a company that's been picking up all your money that you should have had and things like that. Cause I was looking and it turned out to be going to Steve strange. 
and he was lying to me all those years as well. Oh, so no. now I was really, I hated the music business. And then I went, then I went, even my mate, even my mate, I've got three kids to look after here, and he's been getting all my royalties from Visage. So I was more riddled, more riddled. Anyway, so the point is, I didn't want to do anything with anyone and nothing, just forget it all. And I kind of turned down loads of things. But then they went, you can go on a TV show and we'll give you some teeth. <laughs> I, it's a good I start. I couldn't afford the dentist, you know. <laughs> and um, I went, what have I got to do? And they said, well, you've got to go on a sort of bands reunited with Steve Strange. You know? I remember it. I remember <laughs> it really well. So I, I, through, excuse the pun, grated teeth, <laughs> I went on this TV show to get this dentist work and had to be really nice to Steve Strange, knowing full well he'd stolen all my bizarre royalties. You know? Well, what did he say about it then? Well, I, 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 I didn't really know it was for you, uh, you know, and he said, well, I said, but uh, Steve, it said for Visage and it named Dave Formula, John McGeeck, Rusty Egan and Steve Strange. Right. Mitch and Billy are being looked after by their manager. Right. So they sent it to you and right. you didn't tell John because he's no longer with us. Yeah. And you didn't tell Dave, you know. So anyway, I was really, really, really upset. And of course, a lot of people really don't like me because I let it be known right. what happened. Right. And, and then, did you ever get any of that money back? I've never been paid anything. I've got nothing. I don't even get my PRS or PPL. But you can, you can, you can, you can just that, can't you? You can address that. In 2011, I lost my wife. She yeah. died. I was devastated again. But I didn't drink. I didn't take drugs. I didn't cry about it. I, in actual fact, I buried myself in work. And I got a Eastern European girl, a friend of mine's wife's sister, to um, look after the kids. And I DJed every night. Every night. And I remember, you, I mean, I, I, I often bump into you in the Groucho Club. Yeah. I was DJing and I remember when you were telling me about all this. Yeah. And I just thought, God almighty, I've got such... Well, I can tell you now. I, I, at the time, I thought I've got such respect for your um, for your resilience because I think if I'd have been in that situation, I don't know. Oh, what oh, I've been in the drowned rat scene in a movie when it's raining and you know, you know, with a broken index finger, I proceeded to dial. <laughs> yeah, no, but you, 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 I mean, on a serious point. Oh, for I've a, been through hell. I've been through hell. For but, serious, but but hold on a sec. Hold on. You know, I, I, um, I mean, we see it in Soho all the time, um, and always have been. It's got worse recently, but the, the homeless scene down there is bad, isn't it? I mean, there's lots, there's lots of stuff down there, and it, you know, it, it just shows how it's a bit of a cliche, but you know, there. But for the grace of God, we all go, don't we? Really? Yeah. Well, I don't ever do. Um, I don't ever do the. I was a drug addict and now I've changed my life and found God PR number. Although I am 25 years clean. Although I lost my wife and she was sick for 10 years and I was a single parent and I worked every night. And what happened was I got to span a ballet tour. Right. And I made some good money. 
I made some good money in 2015. That's amazing. And the inland revenue refused my payment to my childcare while I was touring and working every night. Wait a minute, check this one out. So I go back about, I'm a single parent and I'm a DJ and I tour. So I have to pay someone yeah. to look after my kids. And they said, you should have employed them as a, an employee and pay P-A-Y-E on their salary, right? Wait a minute, you got a mm. nanny, right? You got a nanny living with you, mm. right? You can't afford to give her a room and you, you just about afford it. You've got three children in three different schools and you've got to pay for their dentist and all the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not on the dole. You're not poncing off the government. You're not playing the old little dodgy little bit woo, little bit woo, right? You are saying, hey, I'm Rusty Egan. I'm on tour with Spanner Ballet. Come and see me. And here's my invoice for tonight. And I'm going to pay my tax. They bankrupted me. Shit. Guess what happened? What? We're taking all your PRS and PPL as well. Every time your record's played, every time anybody buys a record, we're taking it. <laughs> right. Let me tell you something. Do you How like, good is do, that? Do you have a good accountant? Do you have a good accountant? No. Have you ever had a good accountant? No. That's why you fucked up, man. Honestly, well, seriously. Well, I do know you that. Talk, you should have talked to me because the the best money you're ever going to spend is on a straight accountant. No, no, I got oh. a straight accountant. This accountant was recommended to me through Sting. Sting, you know that. Oh, fucking hell. Got robbed Sting, by the accountant. Sting, the man who got ripped off nonstop for about 15 years. No, okay. yeah, by one accountant. Anyway, without boring your members, here's the point. Like, I'm a champagne socialist, right? I actually believe if you work really hard, you can have... But I don't believe Philip Green should have a bloody £100 million pound yacht. I exactly. Don't, I, I don't. I, yeah, great. Work really hard. I work really hard, but I don't believe you should punt off the government, get free school meals, and do a little bit dodgy on the side. And yeah. I don't believe you should have a really smart accountant that says to you, "I'm going to show you how you're never going to pay a penny in tax." Yeah, but you didn't. Uh, I don't no, want no, it. Rusty, though. It's, it's, I mean, you make a good point, but it's. I do think you fucked up. I mean, that's well, the no, the accountant should have registered a PAY. Yeah, agree, and, and, and all that stuff. But, but they are being, they, the, the inland revenue would be assholes. Yeah, but the inland revenue would be assholes. They could have said, "Look, mate, you lost your wife. You're a single parent. You're not on the scam. You're not trying to lie. You put everything above board. Every invoice, every expense. You've done it well, but yeah. you made a mistake." Yeah, yeah. Well, shit happens, doesn't it? Anyway, here we go. Right, let's get back on track here. <laughs> well, I tell you what. While we're back on track. Spotify, if any musicians are listening to this, there's All a thing right. now called Beatify. And Beatify is finally what I've been shouting about for five years. A blockchain, smart right. contract, right. streaming platform for music with 100% of the streaming revenue going to the creators divided by each person in the band, producer. You can do it right. all on that site. Right. You have to own the copyright. You have to own the recording. So basically, uh, what we're not getting from our music. Yeah. From, yeah. So what's the, what's the catch on that front then? There is no catch. BTFi right. is a blockchain and you divide okay. your streaming. I really like that. Yeah. I shall look into it and I shall report back to the yeah. Ivers Academy, which I'm on the board of, because we are for artists' rights all the time. So I shall look into that. Right. Tell me about. Well, first of all, let's start with why electronic music. No, but I'm serious because people ask me this fucking question all the time. You can swear all you want, by the way. All right. Uh, 
They ask me this question all the time. And how did you end up going for electronic music and not heavy yeah, metal? I just, yeah, I mean, I was just, I mean, people know where I think. I, I grew up, I don't know, I always liked electronic music. Well, we grew up in the space age, didn't we? Yeah. Well, yeah, when, when we watched the Cadbury Smash advert. The <laughs> Martians, <laughs> yeah. And we watched um, that one, I don't know, Lost in Space. Oh, we watched Lost Land Space. of the Giants. Um, <laughs> yeah, Land of the Giants and Time Tunnel. Time yeah. Tunnel. Oh, I love all that shit. And Lost posh in kids space, weren't but... allowed to watch ITV. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they couldn't yeah. come to school the next day and say they saw it because they go, oh, we're not allowed to watch that. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, yeah. I was, you know, I liked, I liked Doctor Who, for instance, uh, but it kind of no, went I off never the, did. It went like, off the boil after William Hartnell, that, yeah. I thought, to be I honest. I never liked it that. went downhill after that. Trekkies, I never liked Trekkies. No. But look, I'll tell you what, let me tell you something, right? When I was a drummer... Um, and I really got into drumming. I mean, I'm talking jazz drumming. I, yeah. I, I, I went to the Nashville Youth Jazz Orchestra where I heard Carol Kenyon singing. Yeah, and that's why you recommend it. Oh, tell them that story then. Okay, well, I went to the Nashville Youth Jazz Orchestra where you had to learn to do take five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Golden brown. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Not just one, two, three, yeah. four. So I learned about time signatures. I got into Jack Dijonet. I got into Billy Cobham. I got right into Stanley Clark and, um, you know, Peter Pino Palladino came later, but... Um, yeah. Uh, forgotten his name. He got murdered in um, Florida. Uh, a bass player, bass player. Anyway, so I got into fretless bass players. I got into real musicianship. And um, why electronic music? You're like into jazzy, jazzy music here. And I'm listening yeah, to yeah. rock music, as in the Stones and all that stuff was around. And I'd heard Kraftwerk, you know, Autobahn, um, but. It was following Brian Eno, I would think, yeah, and re reading, with... yeah, reading about Brian Eno, yeah, and thinking, what the hell? Well, when I saw him on um on the old Grey Whistle Test, what what the hell is he doing? Is he on the telephone exchange? You know, <laughs> and uh, there were all these lyrics clubs and moving the joystick, yeah. And all that but stuff. I found him to be like the the professor from from um, what's it called um. um if you move to the left, if you move to the right, you know, that horror play. Let's do the Oh, time. you mean uh, 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 Rocky Horror Picture Rocky show. Horror. Uh, Rocky Horror show. I thought he was like the, the, you know, the Mr. Weird guy down in the lab, you know, in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. You know, coming up with noises and things. And yeah. uh, I, I heard about uh, discreet music and, uh, yeah. and uh, ambient music and I can't, light what I was hearing, but I found um, motoric drumming. Ah. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, if you listen to Ultravox, Connie Plank produced, I think it was the second album, Ha Ha Ha. Uh, uh, the third album, Brian Eno did the first album. Anyway, I had a drum machine, and it was Hiroshima Monomura. And before that, there was Hallo Gallo, which was Noi, and there was yeah. E Music. And I just heard this boom, 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 boom. 
And uh, I've been told by Peter Hook, that's what they were listening to. <laughs> you know, yeah, Joy, cool. Joy Division. Um, so as a drummer, I, I sort of got rid of the jazzy paradiddle, triple paradiddle, go around the drum kit, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Billy Cobham played on um, Hawaii Five-O. You know, no, no, he always, yeah, he also played on Sugar. Uh, 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 oh, mm-hmm. honey, honey. So he was a session drummer, the jazz and classic. I, yeah. And I thought, <laughs> you know, Steve Gadd, session drummer, I thought there's no way that I'm gonna be anything, you know, uh, these guys are just phenomenal and they play on everyone's albums, you know. Um, so I followed this motoric, and it yeah. kind of the, the craft work thing led me back, it led me back to. The e music did, you, noise. did you ever see Magma? Well, I played with Magma, believe it. No, yeah, Yannick, Yannick Top, Yannick Top, the bass player in Magma, and Roland Romanelli and I made an album uh, in 1980, I think. Yeah, uh, we made an album uh, called Connecting Flight by Roland really? Romanelli. And there was a track on it called Chain Reaction, which became a sort of pioneering electro record, a bit like you. Right, you know. Right, right, and right. it was on 21 records that released Africa Bambata. And of course, I worked with him as well. So let's go back right. to the 70s. Basically, Can, Noi, Magma, German, yeah. French, odd, yeah. oddities. So yeah, I, I sort of was interested in space, you know, these guys yeah. crash hell. Well, just giving your ears a rest for a few seconds, we're going to have a little piece of music, a bit of a noodling, just to give your ears a rest. And then we'll be back directly after that into a little bit more of Rusty. romantic notion we were wow. going to live through the year yeah the start of a new millennium yeah, I yeah, yeah. incredible i i remember being at midyear's farm uh new year's eve 1999 glenn glenn and lindy were always there right yeah and we had a, we were all couples my wife and i midge and sherry glenn and lindy <laughs> yeah. um jack and brian janet and neil we were all lovely lovely couples you know it was a bit like friends Remember our TV show, <laughs> Friends? And we'd have a dinner party and we and New Year's Eve, Midge would invite us to the farm and all the kids would play. And, and he had a special surprise. He had a firework display. Ooh. New Year's Eve, 1999. We all went outside and there was this massive firework display. I can't remember what music was. And the last firework went boom and it said one. Nine, nine, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone funny. was like looking at Midge, and he was like, "It was the Y two K virus, mate. That's what it was." Y two K virus. Yeah. So, um, so basically, that was my welcome to New Year's January the first, two thousand. And, and um, uh, you're right. Also, Sprack. Diodato. 
Yeah, dude, that's a great record, that man. I'm going to listen to that as soon as we finish today. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you said it. I couldn't say it too posh for me, that. <laughs> so, no, my love of electronic also got ignited <coughs> when I went to see The Clash oh. in 1977. And I heard, dream, baby, dream. Oh, dream, baby, dream. I thought it was, Suicide, was, it? No, I thought it was, no. I thought it was Elvis with a drum machine. This guy, <laughs> this guy on stage acting like a punk with a black leather. Elvis. You remember when Elvis yeah, wore yeah, the black yeah. leather? Yeah, yeah, he had the yeah. black leather and he had the microphone and he was using the microphone like it was a whip. You know, like a cowboy with a whip, you know? And he yeah, was yeah. whipping. He was going to dream, baby, dream. Oh, my Cherie. And do, 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 Love do, do, that. Oh, and I went, wow, this is... But why haven't they got a drummer? You know, yeah. i.e., I hadn't seen the two-piece. This is before Soft Cell, who I'm sure were totally inspired by Suicide. What? I mean, you've never seen uh, sp uh, uh, Spiz Oil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spids. Uh, yeah, I saw, Spids. I saw Spids a couple of times. Yeah. He was uh, on the tour with Susan the Banshees with, uh, when we were supporting them. Well, right. we're, we're still mates now. I got anyway. a call the other day from Kenny Morris, actually. Did you? The original drummer. I know, with, yeah, I know. With, with I know them. Kenny, yeah. He lives in Ireland now, living in Ireland. Right, okay. He always was Irish, got Irish passport. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, so really, so where were we? We were on about the fact that this was my real introduction to sort of electronic music that now Clash 77 White Right Tour, I think it was, with Suicide, and my love for sort of motoric drumming, boom, ba, 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 boom, ba, ba, and then Ultravox with the, you know, the Ha 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 album and clockwork and I started to get into Warren Can. He had drum machines and he played yeah, like yeah. a played yeah. like a, a machine and a songs called I Wanna Be a Machine. And of course Gary Newman was listening to those records. And of course you guys, Circus of Death and um Being Boiled, yeah. Yeah, being boiled with the uh, and then, of course, Daniel Miller, and then um, yeah. Dan so I'm Bridget interviewing. House. I'm interviewing Ooh. Daniel tomorrow. He'll be a lot I'm, calmer than me. Uh, <laughs> I'm interview. I'm interviewing Gary Newman in an hour's time. Wow! I know. And Gary check, Webb. Yeah, I know. Check this out, though. I have never met him, ever. Well, I could say I've never met him, but I had a band that supported him called shock and i did oh, I angel face that. i did angel face which is on the blitzed compilation soundtrack album remastered of course right and uh, i did it all on a micro composer with yeah Richard yeah Burgess, yeah and we triggered the roland ses3 drums so the two of us never picked up a drumstick and we did the b-side called rerb the same day type of thing right right um right. And Gary had met the girls because the girls were phenomenal in uh, shock. And there were three guys, two robots, one lead singer, Tick and Tock, the robots. Tick and Tock, right. Yeah. yeah. So they all hung out with Gary Newman all the time. So I used to get a call. Oh, we're going here and Gary's coming. And I'd be like, where are you going? Oh, we're going to some club somewhere and meeting Gary. And then, but Gary always went home early or whatever. You know, obviously, he was really busy. He was a guy just said, I'll come out and meet you for an hour or two. And yeah. um, every time I got anywhere, he's already gone. 
you know. Right. And of course, I was really busy too, so it wasn't meant to be. Oh, but well, obviously, Chris Payne and Billy Curry met in 1979 on the um, Gary Newman tour. Is that right? Oh. Yeah. And that's when they came up with the Fade to Grey bit and brought that into the studio to Midge and me as another track because we were recording at Genetic then. Martin where's Russian. Ge where's Genetic? Where's Martin Genetic? Russian. Somewhere on, yeah. some, somewhere on Thames that we couldn't afford to pay the fare, so we used to bunk <laughs> the train. <laughs> you know, one of those sleepy towns where there's nobody at the station. Yeah. You go, I'm not going to buy a ticket. No one there anyway. You know, right, so right, um, right. we used to go there and hang out at Martin Russian's place, and I would be talking as fast as I'm talking now, and uh, we'd do blocks on blocks or in you know, mind of a toy and. Uh, the dancer and we, you know, we got oh, all near God. the album, and then Billy showed up and said, "I've got this riff, you know," and um, and the kick drum came in and a hi hat came in, and um, he said, "Oh, do you want to replace them?" I said, "What, what, what with a kick drum and a hi hat?" So there's always been this thing. Oh, Rusty Egan never played on the Fade to Grey. And I'm like, I've just remade Fade to Grey. I've done it if you've heard it. Right, right, right. Just remade it with no one except Chris Payne and me. Um, right. And I was like, well, who's the drummer on Don't You Want Me? Yeah, exactly. Who fucking cares? <laughs> no nobody one, cares. Nobody cares. But if you want to have a go at me, you go, yeah, you didn't play tick, tock, tick, top, shit, cock, tick. I said, no, but I did do... That yeah. lovely SDS3 thing. And I did do, we fade to grey. And I did do, fade to grey. And I did say, <laughs> oh, just like I said, get Karen Kenyon on higher and higher. Hey, I, I, I must say, uh, just to, to interrupt you for one second, take a breath. Uh, <laughs> um, that um, Rusty did, in fact, introduce us to uh, Carol Kenyon after we had auditioned quite a few other girls and they weren't quite cutting what we wanted and then uh, rusty nailed that so i owe him oh, we owe him thank you uh, i'm putting that on record that's all i want all i want is people to say what you uh, just said yeah, now no, a lot of people don't you know you know that a lot of people i have to go do you remember when you were not in a band and they go yeah <laughs> do you remember that night i introduced you to him yeah no no i can't well oh, yeah there were so many people around in those days no, no. Got, oh people, right. People mm. have a selective memory, don't they? But anyway, no, you get you get credit for that definitely. Yeah, so I and got, that changed the course of our lives. So yes, uh, thank that you. tune. And I um I uh, introduced Flood to you two and uh, you know loads of people. I found Flood, you know, the producer. I used to work with Flood yeah. when he was a T boy at the townhouse. Yeah. He worked on Penthouse and Payment, actually. There you go. Yeah. There you go. He worked with me too on a lot of stuff. I nice nicked him for Trident. I had Trident. Anyway, I left loads of detail, which I will put into my book. But yeah, <laughs> so when I got Brigitte on it and the lovely big syndrome and then kept looped up the beat and kept it going at the end and then said, Billy, put the violin on it. Fade to Grey was Midge's verse. Ah, oh, Fade to Grey. And it was done, and it was done the same way that every other song on the Visage album was done with me and Midge and the most yeah. amazing musicians. Yeah, try and or, keep on the mic, Rusty. Sorry. Yeah, you know, it was done. I mean, not really close, but just on axis, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah, it was really, I believed everybody should be equal in the band, and we all were. Yeah. We were all one team. All right. So I need some funny stories from you about the Blitz Club. Tell us all about it. Uh, well, we got funny stories about Blitz Club. Um, or, 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 or Juicy. I'll settle for Juicy. Well, what would you call Juicy? How about uh, Spanner Ballet trying to talk to the DJ? <laughs> yeah, we're a band, and the DJ, me, uh, saying, have you got a synth? Yes. <laughs> they, they didn't have a synth. They didn't have a synth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, and then questioning <laughs> them on their knowledge of electronic music type thing. <laughs> and Gary Kemp, yeah, oh, you know, of course, he always loved Marvin Kaye and soul music. Of course, I've loved Kraftwerk all my life, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, God bless him. Of course, you would. You wanted to be on that stage. There was a stage at the Blitz and the Visage album cover is the actual Blitz Club. Right. the actual right, stage. Right, right, Except right. We, we just had some tables and chairs on the stage. And every now and again, we had an act like Shock or we had a girl who did Diamond Dogs, uh, covered her body in blood and loads of smoke and dry ice. And, nice. and, uh, and we played the whole Diamond Dogs and she did the whole mime, you know, like yeah, Lin yeah, Lindsay yeah. Kemp mime. And every now and again, we had a fashion thing from people at fashion college so no it was, it was i was really serious about the music though nothing was going to get played unless you know so yeah there were these debates with spanner ballet who looked good and every week looked even better and yeah got more clothes and basically i said well you need a producer you need richard james burgess so i introduced them to the producer who made to cut long story short you are uh, you are an animateur Aren't you? Well, I did a lot more than that. I could probably give you 25 great ones. You know what I mean? It goes on and well, on. Well, you're a good lad. And yeah. That, you, know, you are the sort of person who, on a creative level, who makes the music business work. Yeah, yeah. But we're the ones like the man who gave the Beatles away. You know, you read that book. He is the yeah, man yeah. who gave the Beatles away. There are people who went to college and university that come along and sweep up after you've done all the hard work with your sweating mate from college. bit like Bez being in... Uh, in yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does he do? Yeah, we don't need him. He's in expense. And you go, you can't explain what he does. You can't explain what he does, but the accountants take over and they go, well, you don't need him. Uh, you know, so they so really... Were you, were you surprised when Visage was so successful? Surprised? No, I was more surprised that Boy George was more successful. Really? Why is that? Well, because reggae music... From a trans, not trans, is he a boy, is he a girl, whatever, and going on Terry Wogan and having a cup of tea and all that stuff used to surprise me. Good music didn't surprise me, like your music. I was surprised you had a hit record. I mean, you were an underground <laughs> Sheffield industrial art uh, school band yeah we had to turn our back on that and get serious, or else we were going to get dropped by the record company. So well, actually, Adrian lives in London. I know, yeah. I, do you know what? I asked him yeah. uh, whether he'd be interested because, you know, we're going uh, to restage uh, Reproduction and Travelogue, the albums, yeah. at, at, the, at the Roundhouse and in Sheffield City Hall with, with some new visuals. Which yes. Fucking awesome. Yeah. It was due to happen just when the lockdown came in the first one. Anyway, it's going to be in the autumn, hopefully. And, yes. um we're doing all, we're doing all that, and I asked Adrian if he'd be interested in getting involved, and he 
he agreed to meet me. I met him down at the Groucho Club and he said, oh, I've got a different life now. I don't yeah, want, yeah, yeah. I don't want anything to do with the Human League. Yeah. It was, I, I, you know, he, I don't think he's got very happy memories. No. Well, um, I've posted a picture of a reel to reel and I've said the drummer in Depeche Mode and, uh, you know, got kicked out of the band. I said, but he didn't, at least he didn't try to steal your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing him at the Nashville Human League. Human League right. at the Nashville oh, when he was with, in them. Yeah. And yeah. and obviously Soft Cell and Depeche Mode when they all had the reel to reel. Who was the yeah, they all make it off us, mate? And do you know what the great story is? Yeah. And, um, oh my God, I should be careful what I say here. All right, um, I there's some dispute as to who came up with the original idea, and we played the. Uh, we played Eric's in Liverpool in 1978 with the Human League. And I know because they told me that OMD were, uh, you know, Andy and Paul were at the at that gig. And yeah. lo and behold, they had a, a reel-to-reel on stage. From there. <laughs> wow. Right, so, so, but they now have kind of a little bit of revised history saying that they came up with the idea. Well, at the know. Palladium with Midjure, I would walk out on the whole tour and talk, and I played Circus of Death, and I talked. And I, I said, do you want me to DJ, or do you want me to talk? And I never think you'd, I never thought you'd have talked at yeah. all. Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not, some people did actually really want me to tell stories, because the stories sometimes, we've heard the record a hundred times, so it is nice to hear the record. So what yeah. I also did was, I did my little DJ thing, yeah. and I, I played this little beat that goes... <laughs> little TR-78 drum machine yeah. with a little doo -doo -doo -doo. and I played it and then I looped it with Ooh. another one like a DJ yeah oh okay now you're not then, easy, isn't it? you can have loop pedals so I got the microphone and I said right. no I got I got my controller and then I said what is this record to the audience right and most of them kind of like not sure so I let it play, Anola gay, right? And it right. started, and then I pulled it back in the level, and I had the other. I had that yep. playing, and I pulled it back, and I said, "What is this record?" And as I pulled back Anola gay, I dropped the bass drum, doosh, 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 and then the guitar comes in. It's a song called Charade by the Skids that I recorded in 1979 <laughs> in Rockfield Studios. Yeah. Well, in Rockfield Studios with Bill Nelson, and I'd put the drum machine on, create a little drum pattern. Right. Yeah. And the bottom line was nobody knew that charade record, but it was the same drum machine oh, playing yeah. the same drum yeah, pattern. There's a soft version of that now you can yeah. so, mess around with it. It's quite nice. I've had, um, I had a little altercation in that department, to be honest with you, because we did talk about... Um, a fade to grey and the, and the kick drum and the snare drum. And yeah. if you go on Wikipedia, it actually says, or you go into somewhere, it goes, guitar, major, synthesizer, Chris Payne, drums, Cedric Sharpley. And you go, how come Cedric Who? Sharpley is credited as the drummer on fade to grey? Well, it turns out that some people have gone into like Wikipedia and said, 
Well, the original demo that was made by Billy Curry and Chris Payne had Cedric on drums because it was. Oh, I see. Yeah, and what happened was when, which was recorded at Genetic Studios. So when Billy submitted it to Visage and I said, leave the kick drum, why bother changing it? Who played oh, the drums? Yeah, who played God. the drums on the Human League? Then so other people. The name on the PPL, whatever. PLS. Yeah, somebody's done that. So yeah. I, I don't get paid anyway, so I don't bloody care about the money. <laughs> so anyway, cut, cut a long story sideways. 2018, I go and see you too. I go and see them all the time. I love them. And they, they luckily, like Depeche Mode, put me on a guest list. I have to beg a little bit to get Heaven 17, but, you know. Oh, you don't beg. I, I just talk to the promoter. And I, you always <laughs> So anyway, I heard you too, and for a long time, I, I wasn't How to Dismantle the Bomb and a few other albums slipped me by. But this Summer of Love one sort of got me. And I said, I'd love to remix, you know, Summer of mm. Love. So they said, well, actually, we've got this other song called Love is Bigger Than Anything in Its Way. And they sent it to me. It was about 97 BPM. And I thought, this could be like in the air tonight. You know, the Oh, right, yeah. yeah. It's that kind of tempo, right? Yeah. yeah. I can feel it. You know, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. you know. So because I'm a DJ, I've got a load of versions of in the air tonight. And I've got one by um Late Night Tough Guy. And I love Late Night Tough Guy. I have no idea who that is. Exactly. Well, Late Night Tough Guy just takes old songs and remakes good them. Good name. It's a good name. Yeah. And there's also Reflex. The Reflex. They do great Marvin Gaye remixes or Stevie Wonder. So when you're a DJ, you've got them. They're called edits. So basically, I yeah. help. I make people dance all night long. So anyway, I listen to Late Night Tough Guy and I go, you know what? I'll, I'll try and get the Phil Collins. But because of with or without you, I'll try and get that little. And I basically put a kind of with or without you thing together. Then I got a drum machine and I programmed. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Put that on it. Then I thought, well, I'll do a version. Cut long story short. Did three versions of it. You two loved them. All right. Paid me. And they're paid you? Yeah, they're available. Oh. Called a buyout. You never get another penny. That's it. I said, oh, I love that. Pay for my new laptop. Thank you very much. And released them. And um, you're Martin Ware, and you've got respect from me. But do you have people on uh, YouTube that will say something that's really derogative and really ill-informed and you go i want to correct them and then you go i'll oh, forget it i'm not gonna bother oh yeah I don't so know. evan 17 only copied craft work evan no, 17 copied you know all that right i'm bloody care i got another dj called benley brand who i respect who has done in excess you know a benley brand oh, yeah. mix oh, yeah. rusty egan has copied my mix <laughs> and I'm like, I've copied what? He's used my drum machine. What? And I wanted to say, who's the drummer on 
Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye. <laughs> How can it be your drum machine? <laughs> I mean, it's like somebody putting on a Profit Five and saying, Japan has stolen my... <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Moving on to... Um, we're, we're nearing the end. Uh, Camden Palace, right? I loved Camden Palace. Uh, and Did you ever hear we... your record there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you... Were you responsible in making that happen? Then? Yes. It's very hard to answer that question because when you're talking to uh, a northern nightclub company that's been running successfully for 20 years, <laughs> discotheques in the north, and we're going to come down and show Peter Stringfellow what it's really about. And I said, okay, so what do you want me for? Well, you've got this club full of all the right people and we've got a million quid. So I said, okay, have you ever been to the Metropole in Berlin? No. Have you ever been to New York? Have you ever been, do you know who Richard Long is? Have you ever been to the Paradise Garage? Have you ever been to the Palace in Paris? Yeah, the you Palace. That's what it's supposed Why don't yeah, you take the... some of your million quid and go and have a little holiday? And if you come back and you let me give you a shopping list, yeah, I'll be very happy to oh. work with you. Well, it they, worked spectacularly. It was yeah, because I saw New Order at Paradise Garage. I mean, all these people talk about legendary things. I was I saw Nina Hagen at the Mud Club in New York. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I went to Studio Fifty Four in nineteen seventy nine on a I performed at Studio Fifty Four. Wow, that's that. Yeah, I didn't me, do that. we did a PA yeah. just before it closed. Well, Dirk Diggler served you a drink, right? <laughs> I don't know. We were the only straight people in the entire fucking club. Yeah, well, I, I love say. Saint on Third Avenue. The, the gay clubs was what inspired heaven in London. Yeah, yeah. New York gay clubs inspired. So, yeah, you get inspired. So if you tell a geezer from up north who only knows Tivoli lighting and plastic palm trees, if you go, mate, you need to go and see some clubs. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. so, you know... Uh, now, it was our world at that time, wasn't it? We, I mean, you yeah. were doing the DJ. Well, then. even before the Hacienda, I knew Ben, the designer. Ben, the designer of yeah, the yeah, Hacienda. Yeah. We, yeah. we all had aspirations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We all had aspirations of what we would want to design, to build, to own. Same with album covers and artwork. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's all part of the same thing, you know, fanzines. Yeah, yeah but everybody clothes, told you. Posters. Everybody told you of everything. It, like they they had their way of doing it, yeah. you know. Yeah, Did yeah. you know this? Ralph Hutter called me and came to the Camden Palace in the afternoon with Tour de France that he made mixed at Britannia Row because New Order had done um, really? their record there, and wow. he came to play it on my sound system. Oh, that's great! And we stood there on the dance floor. Is it too bright? Is it too sharp? You know, uh, you know what I mean, you've got to be careful with that stuff in nightclubs. It's true. Yeah, um, right. I'm going to do the smash hits thing now, so um, you don't have to think too hard about these. Can I do a shameless plug for Blitzed, which is out on? Do you want to do that now, or do you want yeah, to do Blitzed, it again? the documentary on Sky Arts, nine o'clock. The thirteenth is this going to be out before the thirteenth? I don't of May? know yet. I've got to look at. I've got oh. like about a dozen in the can. Oh, but right. if it is, I'll try and put it out before then. All right. Yeah, and uh, yeah. It's, it's a documentary. But I've done all the music, 
and made a soundtrack album. It'll be on iPlayer anyway. People are Yeah, but I've done all the music. That's the important bit. Is it on uh, BBC? No, it's on uh, Sky Arts at the moment. Oh, well, that's good. It'll, you'll be able to do catch-up anyway. Okay. Uh, okay. Smash so, it. Here we go. What's your favourite book? Uh, I could say uh, Down and Out in London and Paris. And you know, a lot of people say that one. Really? Yeah. But I really people. got really got struck by... um. Uh, I got a, a book period at a time. A postillion struck by lightning, Dirk Bogart. Oh, about how, how two men go to Aix-en-Provence and start a life together. Right. And uh, it, it does talk about um, Death in Venice, the Thomas mm. Mann book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not a big reader, but I did read Luke Reinecker, The Dice Man. Um, I like great books. Book, great book. Uh, yeah. yeah, books that inspire, inspire you and sort of, make you believe uh yeah yeah uh, you know i don't just read a novel you watch a film for that can't you i've got a story about the dice man i went to i went to uh, a friend of mine who who were friends with endemol in endemol tv yeah Uh, and i said to them i've got an idea for a quiz show or a (laughs) you know a light entertainment show and Uh, base it on the dice man right good idea Yes, a great idea. Do you know what they said? The regulations for TV at that time wouldn't allow you to have, uh, wouldn't allow anyone to control. This is before Big Brother or anything like that. Wouldn't allow uh, by the by the charter of the station. This was Channel Four, I think it was, to control people's actions. Wow! From above, can you imagine that now? I should go back to him with the same idea. Wow! Good idea for a TV show. The I think it is. Yeah, but do you know what? I've got um, Now TV, yeah. and I've got Netflix, yeah. and I, I'm like, I can't, there's nothing to watch. I'm like that. I mean, I have <laughs> only got, I only got them. Amazon, everything, I've got Well, no, I, I, I love Babylon Berlin. Babylon right. Berlin, Brian Ferry's in it. I love that one about the uh, Czech the, in a plain chest. You oh, know. Yeah, the, the, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, that what's one. Your, what's your favourite film? Oh my God! My favourite film well, could be could be Awesome Wells, you know. Could be Awesome Wells. Um, I, I'm a complete movie fan, you know. Yeah, me I, too. I, love, I don't think there is a favourite a, a favourite film, but um, I did love um, Cinema Paradiso. Oh, what a film! What a beautiful, beautiful and film! Beautiful and I love Jean de Florette and Manon Distos. Yes, you know. Uh, so I think French and European and Italian and. Yeah, European art house films are probably yeah, yeah, more me. Yeah. Hate American blockbuster Marvel comic crap. No, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, what other uh, musical artist or composer or whatever? Favorite? Um, loving a bloke called David August uh, from Berlin. Uh, ambient sort of music guy, but I'm sure he's going to deliver something wonderful. I like obviously discovering new people all the time. So I love um, Finn and Basson. Uh, I love James Blake. And believe it or not, I love James Blunt. I think he's a really, really talented guy and a lovely guy too. I've met him as well in Verbier, posh army bloke. But I love I love the sentiment in his song, You're Beautiful. And I love beautiful songs. I write beautiful songs myself. 
itself. And I, I really do want to make, like Bowie said, one damn song that can make you break down and cry. Yeah. And I have had people write to me and say, that song just made me cry. And, and oh. part of my intention, I've just written a new song and um, it is so beautiful. And the chorus is, um, do you know how it feels to love someone who's in love with someone else? Oh, that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah, that's, very, that's like a classic soul song. Theme. Yeah, but it's it's based on Manon de Source. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like Manon de Source, they killed her father, and yeah. then he falls in love with her, and yeah. and it's really painful. It's really painful. So, um, and there's another song called um, "Starfish" by um, Anthony and the Johnsons. Yes, and that's, that that song will make me cry, and right. you know that I think music will make you happy. You know, Leonard Cohen will make you want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but music um, is that emotional roller coaster, and you is. get the hairs on the back of your neck when Roxy Music sing. If there was something, you know, when I heard him yeah, sing yeah, that yeah, on yeah. the live uh, Viva album, yeah, you know, yeah. It's and good, the that. music to me, and I hope my music is as powerful. And I can well, we we're going to make it as popular as we can, aren't we? Between <laughs> us. Um, so, favorite visual or conceptual artist? You know, like artist, art artists. You mean like Picasso, or a painter, or a sculptor, or a conceptualist? You know, Andy Warhol. It could be anything. Well, obviously, visually in the eighties, I was also into all that. Um, all that uh, Keith Haring and uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, the club club yeah, art. And We've got one in London, haven't we? Got one that painted all the walls of all the clubs. Um, he had a club. He's online. No, I love culturally things like Andy Warhol, meaning uh, real things that, that you stand in front of them. But you can stand in front of Guernica and you can just stay there for an hour, yeah. can't you? Yeah. You know? no, so amazing. I can't really favour anything. I just say that I can be moved by Follon. You go, who the hell's Follon? You know, well, he, he was um, Jean-Michel Jarre album cover bloke. You know, right. I don't, you know, I, I've been to see Installation. Look, at, it all moves. Brian oh, yeah. Eno did the same thing. He did, he yeah, did yeah. A, an ambient painting series yeah i saw so I that i love people yeah. that make you think i like people yeah, that exactly. make you think art okay. that makes you think okay um and just two more questions left so um an event that changed your life i suppose you'd probably say your your wife passing away maybe or something maybe let's look positively let's look at some something creatively that that you went bing light bulb moment well, you know, I did Africa Bombata Time Zone Wild Style record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what happened was I heard Yellow. And right. I got hold of Ian Dragonian from Do It Records. Right. And I agreed to pay for him and me if he would go via a place called Vashtersbach. You go, why? I said, well, there's this group there that sound like Perinutters, Franz <laughs> and Dieter. And they've made this record called um robota verka and i want to check it out and i was playing um a, i see stars by them in the blitz club it's a place called wachtersbach so anyway we go to <laughs> wachtersbach and i tell the story how the whole town was deserted no one there and i thought this is really weird and he said because it's um dallastag 
So I watched Dallas Dog. He took me into the back of the studio, and there was his wife watching Dallas. It's oh, Dal- Dallas Day. Dallas Day. <laughs> 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 so I said, let's go in the studio. And we go in the studio. <laughs> And the studio, you know what you and me are like, if there's equipment, what's that? What's that? What does that do? What's that? And they were a couple of nutty scientists. And they went, well, we've made our own drum machine. Oh, can I hear it? Yeah. And they played this thing. And I said, but that sounds like a real drum. And he said, well, it is. I said, what? How can you have a real drum sound made by a machine? And he said, it's not made by a machine. It's from a Grace Jones record. So I said, what? He goes, yeah, I took it off a Grace Jones record. I said, well, how'd you do that? He said, I did it with this. And he pointed to something else, right? With with an ARP Odyssey and a sort of boss. And there's a little thing, bing, bing. And I, well, what else can it do? And he basically showed me how it worked. So I then went. Drum machine, boom, gap, boom, boom, gap, boom, boom, gap, boom, boom, I said, "Can it take a scratch?" And he went, "Yeah." So I said, "Okay, let's just get a record and scratch." You know, and then I went, "Boom!" And and we made this backing track, which, and then I said, "It was so wonderful." He said. When I did something, that is das, that's Wunderwerke, which means, what's that? That's wonderful. So yeah. I said, I want to say that on a vocoder. So I said oh, it on, I said it on a vocoder. So, was is das, das Wunderwerke. And um, another record I never got paid for, I sort of <laughs> sent, sent a demo to um, Africa Bombarder in New York. Uh, record label celluloid records because i'd signed bill laswell from right. material yeah material I yeah remember. i loved yeah. Uh, nona hendrix i'd made a record with her as well with a tr808 drum machine um so anyway the point was i was all wrapped up in it and next thing you know it's one of the biggest hip-hop records in america and um credited to some people i'd never heard of i go oh you're not very good at getting your credits at school today are you so uh final question question. what's your favorite synth well i think the mini moog i have bought a mini moog and there was a bloke called pete woods who worked for ultravox and he managed with me and mitch to trigger the mini moog and he created a little circuit board and we had 32 lights and it had a button and we could send 32 into it and then when you got the thin wall thin wall you could just change any button so when i did pleasure boys you hear the drum machine i did it all live and i could just change the buttons live Obviously, sometimes, wow. yeah. Okay. So I love triggering. And so then it was I, all CV and gate, was it? Yeah, gate. And then I could send it into an SDS3, which is the drum sound. And do, yeah. do, do. So basically, I have a piece of gaffer tape telling me what note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and where's the octave? <laughs> where's the octave? For all them sounds coming out of your mouth. It's yeah. Yeah, and that was the point. And it was like, hey, I can do this, you know. 
and vocoder and that, that's how i did um most of my records i did uh all the b-sides of all the visage records you know right, right, and right. one of them people have said sounds like the pet shop boys three years before the pet shop boys you know well there you go mate well listen we've run out of time i think you know you don't get enough credit for me Rusty, oh. that's that's what I honestly believe. I think you're quite a self-effacing guy. You're also not a very good business person. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> and that's probably part of the reason. But you know what? I've, I've always had a lot of admiration for your uh, passion for your subject. Oh, yeah. And actually, you're a, I feel like you're a bit of an honorary northerner as well. I'll tell you why. Because you do things rather than theorise about them. You know, you have actually been at the forefront of a lot of shit. So Well, I can tell you what. On your northerner thing, when I went on tour for the first time ever with Glenn Matlock, I wasn't a bloke that was in the dressing room and then went in the van. I was out at the bar talking to everyone. <laughs> so I was in Eric's club, in Eric's club, and meeting uh, the Lightning Seeds, you know, meeting the big in Japan, meeting. What do you do? Uh, Jane Casey. Oh, I've got a van called the Sausages from Mars with Holly Johnson. Here's my phone number. Call me up. And, you know, I met everyone. So when I was in Manchester and we played at Rafters and I played at the original Factory Club, I yeah. would stay and say, I'll see you in Wolverhampton at the gig and then, you know, take the train on my own. And I'll be hanging around and, you know, obviously. You're, a, you're, a, you're the glue that connects a lot yeah, of this I loved shit, it. Yeah. And I met everyone, got all their numbers and, you know, and I love people. Like yes, that's it. Yeah. On that, we're going to stop on that. So thank you so much, Rusty. You are an absolute diamond. Love you to death. And I'll see you in the Groucho when it reopens, hopefully. If they let me back in, my membership probably expired by now. <laughs> I've stopped my membership. I'm, pay I'm not paying them and giving me, they're giving me credits in, you know, overpriced drinks. No, thanks. Um, DV license. <laughs> All right, that. man. Listen, love you, and I'll see you very soon. And I'll try and get this out as soon as I can. Yeah? Oh, thank you very much. All right, man. Bye, love everyone. You. Bye. Bye. That was Rusty Egan. I tell you what, I'm feeling a bit punch drunk after that. I'm thinking, although I've not, we've not edited it, myself and, and Chaz, who does the editing, we've not decided on, the, on any tactic with this. But I think I might split it up in the middle because, you know, Rusty's a bit of a machine gun, isn't he? Um, and uh, I'm just worried that might, an hour's worth of that might just drive you crackers. Um, so maybe I'll put a little musical... If you're listening to this, Chaz, which you will be, uh, let's put a little musical interlude in the middle. How is everyone? Um, the COVID thing... I've had my inoculation now. I don't know what I feel about it. I feel a bit safer, I suppose, and my wife's had one as well. Um, but I feel a lot safer when we get the second dose, um, which will be in about 10 weeks, I suppose. The weather's improving. That's always a good thing. I can. The green shoots of recovery um, are at least as as a mirage in the distance, starting to appear. Um, I, I just got sent a list of live dates for Heaven Seventeen, and they are due to start in June. And I think it might be a little optimistic, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, we should be okay 
by the autumn in 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 some in most respects um if we're not then um oh dear but it should be all right um yeah i hope you're enjoying the um the level of uh the kind of guests that we're getting on here i mean i'm i'm pretty good and we have some really good news this week that um this podcast is number 13 in the apple podcast music chart for the uk and uh, the next best country it's doing well in is chile number 16 don't ask me no idea and uh, it's doing quite well in Scandinavia and rest of Europe, and um, hopefully uh, we'll get up there in all the all the other territories. So I'm very happy at the moment uh, with the with the podcast, and I hope you're enjoying it too. We've got loads of amazing people coming up. Um, so I will see you on the next one. Bye.